Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. My name is Alex Williams and today I'm joined by my friend Rob Lowe. Now Rob's known me a lot longer than I've known him and that's because I was really young when we met. We'll get into that during the show. But Rob's a fantastic entrepreneur and a chef. Uh, highly recommend. If I haven't told you to already, go try Around the Bend. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Now, more importantly than listening to this conversation, which I do appreciate, please take some time out of your day today to listen to the people around you in your life. Rob Lowe, welcome to My Wax Museum. Well, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, why don't we, uh, we start with how we know each other? Well, Alex, the first time I remember meeting you, when was that? Let's see, you would have been probably about seven or eight. Really? I'm thinking. Yeah. So I, I just remember Bryce was about three. So okay. That would, you're what, five years older than him? Four. So yeah, you would have been about seven. So yeah. And you guys were in that tiny house in Millrise. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I don't I don't remember knowing you back then. Nope. You Wow. I think you after your mom got remarried, you probably started to pay attention about the time you're 10. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't like I don't wow. That's crazy. Uh you're the first person who like I know like I knew you that long ago. Yeah. But I don't remember. Well, and that's the thing is that I, like I was a kid. Honestly, at the time, <clears throat> your life would have been somewhat in turmoil still, so Yeah. So I've I've known you about yeah. as long as I've known Logan ish. Pretty much. Yeah. I'd say yeah. so. Cuz Logan what you guys met in church at I think so, but I think we might have known each other before that too. Okay. He claims I stuck him in the back with a burning stick, and that's how he met me. And when I was so was like, your mom and his mom friends kid? then? Uh, I don't. I don't really know how much they know each other. I know they are, might be aware of each other, but that would be very interesting to find out why and when you had a burning stick. Oh, close it was to him. it was a father son camp out. Oh, so you guys would have been in the same ward then. I think so. Which oh, checks out. That, that would make sense because your dad would have been in that ward after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Well, and and actually, no, that's not. They, they were in foothills. That's not too. entirely true though, because you would have been in my dad's ward. Because your dad got married. Yeah, yeah, but was he in the other ward? Before? We we were in Willow Park. Oh, that's right. I forgot cranes yeah. were in Willow Park too. So yeah, yeah that's probably well, it. and we and we like shared primaries <laughs> too. That's yeah. right. Yeah, um, that makes more sense. Yeah. So, uh, did you? This is kind of an interesting question because you were an mm -hmm. adult when you met me. Yep. And I was a small child. Um, and usually I'll like ask people for their first impression of me, and usually, <laughs> you know, I was able to, you know plan that first impression because I was more grown up. Yeah. Um, but when I was a child, did you have a first impression of like who, who I was? I mean, when you were, when you were still in that house with your mom, not, I mean, you were pretty quiet. Like okay. There wasn't, I was quiet. Amazingly enough. Yes. Wow. Well, I mean, when we came over, yeah. So interesting. 
would have been Jerrica that was performing and you, you know, and I was the little the background. Brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then of course your brother would have been the, the loudest just cause he was the youngest. Yeah. And he's crazy. In like a fun. And when like, he was three, he was crazy. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> fun baby. Just, um, just seeking attention. I mean, I mean, just like any, any child. Any youngest child. Exactly. Right. Got to get your, got to get you yourself out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, first, I mean, first impressions, you were like you know, I was a kid. seven-year-old, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> nothing. Interesting. <laughs> nothing too exciting. Yeah. Now, once you started to grow your personality, that, that was a different story. Then that was so, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then, so, uh, where are, where are you from originally? So I was born in Calgary. Okay. Yeah. So the house that my mom still lives in is the house that I was brought home to from the hospital. Really? Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So that house that, that we've lived, that my mom lives in in Willow Park is the same house that we've been in since they moved in there in 1975, right before I was born, like in the summer. Really? Before I was born. And then I was born in January. Wow. 76. Wow. So that yeah. one's been there for a long time. Yeah. I was the only one that was born here in Calgary. Right, because you have older siblings. Yeah. Right. So I'm the youngest of six. Oh, okay. See, okay. I know the youngest sibling thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Attention seeking all the time. <laughs> uh, not me, though. <laughs> Did you, um, like, what was that experience like being the youngest? What was your relationship like with your older siblings? Uh, mine was a little bit different because my older sibling my older siblings were that much older than I was. Oh, okay. So like my next oldest sibling is about six years older. Oh, okay. So she would have been turning 50 this year. Wow. So, but yeah, so she's, I guess five and a half years. So it was interesting because when I was young, they were all old enough that, you know, I was somewhat novel and, you know, right. they actually cared about, you know, taking care of me as opposed to, what is this nuisance in my house, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it worked out pretty well. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I got the best of both, both worlds because I got to be the youngest. Right. And I also got to be the only child. Right. So, because by the time, so the year I went into grade seven into junior high, my next oldest sibling started university that year. Okay. So for junior high and high school, I had, you know, my parents and my house to myself, hmm. which I didn't mind. Yeah. Because I don't mind being by myself. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, would, would you say you're an introvert? Like, is that? Naturally, yeah. Naturally? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, um, so did you appreciate it when like your siblings moved out and you could just be on your own like that? I'm not sure that I really thought of it that way when I was young, because I mean, I would have been 12, right? Right. So I think it was, hey, I get all the house to myself. Mm -hmm. So I guess that was the thought. But then sometimes you get bored too, right? Right. <laughs> so it's like, oh, there's nobody here to entertain me. Right. Or to bug or to do whatever. So had to wait for summer to do that. Right. <laughs> and it, like when, when you saw your siblings... Um, since they were so much older, what, what was it like to have them like come home and, you know, be over for dinner or to just visit? 
Yeah, usually they were coming home from school, so they'd be there for a few months before they oh, went okay. back to university. But no, it was always, I don't know, it was always fun. It was good to see them. Yeah. Because it was always, I mean, they were excited to see me. I was excited to see them. I think they were mm. excited to be home. So it was just one of those. I, it never, never really was anything strange. Right. <laughs> you know? So, I mm. mean, usually, so my brother, my brother's 14 and a half years older than I am. Okay. And that's, he's the oldest? Yeah. He's okay. the oldest. And so he basically, by the time I was four, he would only be home for summers. So he went on, he went on his mission when I was four. Wow. So yeah, four. Yeah. I would have been like four and a half when he left. So he was gone for the two years. So by the time he came back, I was six and a half. And then he had three years left of university to finish. So it was just in the summer that he was home. But now the funny thing is, is I actually shared a room with him. So really, Oh yeah. So when he came home, it was, you know, he was in my room or in, in our room because it was his room right. too at the same time. So that was always fun. But uh, he, he didn't mind that too much because he was just so excited to have a brother. So, Oh, is it all like it's <clears throat> all, four girls and two boys? Yeah. So he's the oldest. He's the oldest and I'm the youngest and then there's four girls. Wow. In between. So. And what, so what was it like growing up with that many sisters? Did you like, like, did they dote on you? Was it like a Depending on the fun day. relationship? Just Depending on who depends. it was in the yeah. day. And, yeah. I mean, I, I think there was probably a lot more doting than I thought of. Yeah. But, uh, For yeah. you, it's just life. Exactly. You're like, isn't everybody's life this wonderful? Well, and, and it gave me a different uh, perspective on girls too. So, Right. Because, you know, you get older and you're like, all these guys are like, I don't understand girls. I'm like, oh, I had four of them that I got to see go through teenagehood. Yeah. <laughs> So, and did you like? Did you feel like that prepared you better for life? Then, I think it made it easier for me to understand. Yeah, others, I guess. So, hmm. like you don't, you don't always understand what you don't see, right? So, yeah, what you what you see when you're young makes it a lot easier to understand when you're older, right? And you can kind of be like, oh, okay, well, that's that's why this, that's why this, and that's why that, right? Right. And then, um, so as you grew up, um, and then when you eventually moved on and out of the house, uh, when was that and where did you go? So I finished high school, um, here and I went to BYU in Provo right away. So I finished high school in 94, um, and then started university also in 94 and the, in September that year. So um, went down to Provo, went with my parents, and I was a bit of a you know teenage prick at that time. So it was one of those things where my parents dropped me off. They're like, oh, hey, we need, can we go do this with you and get this done and that? And I'm like, no, just leave. Just go. You're like, like get out. Just go. <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting for this for a long time. But, you know, that's just being 18 and stupid. So yeah. And unfortunately, I don't know a lot of 18-year-olds that are uh, bright enough to understand what their parents have or haven't done for them. <laughs> so Right, right. And so being in a, like, not just an adult, but like a little more grown up now. Yeah. Um, what, like, what do you look back on and see your parents having done for you? Having done or haven't done? 
having? Oh, uh, everything. I mean, honestly, that's the thing is they just, just the way that they did things mm-hmm. were teaching moments, right? So it's like, okay, this is obviously they had an expectation of this is right. This is wrong. Right. That sort of thing. So those are things that are in the back of your head all the time. And then as you get to be an adult, you get to test those out. Right. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm okay with this. This maybe not, whatever, you know, that type of thing. So, but yeah, they definitely were the biggest thing that formed who I am. Right. And also, you know, the way that I interact with people and understand that, certain norms that you that you should do with people as you meet them and and that sort of thing right so it was interesting because i know my dad um we didn't understand it at the time and sometimes my sisters resented it i didn't really think about it too too much but it seemed like every christmas we had some sort of stray person at our house really (laughs) pretty much so usually, so my dad was a doctor, and right. usually it would end up that there'd be some visiting doctor or someone like that. Like I remember one year we had a doctor from Nepal that came and stayed with us over Christmas. Oh, interesting. And, you know, different when we had one from Brazil and actually a whole family from Brazil. And, you know, just these different random, I mean, in our mind, they're random, but he's like, well, looking back on it, I can see what he was doing. He's like, well, these are people. They're a long way from home. They don't have their family around them. Everybody else is gathering for these family things. So why don't we just open our home and, you know, allow these people, like have them come and be part of it. And right. Like he didn't, he didn't make a big deal of it. It was just like, hey, come be part of it. And literally would just do everything the same as we normally would, but they would just be there. <laughs> Interesting. So, you know, as a kid, you're like, okay, I don't get it, but you know, whatever. But that was one of those things that you see where both of them were welcoming, welcoming to somebody who nowadays everybody would be like, Oh, it's a stranger. Why would you do that? Right. Like that could be, no, no, you have feelings about people and you know that they are people. And so you make right. sure that, that they understand that, you know, they're people too. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're human. So, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, I knew your dad a little bit when I was mm-hmm. little. Um, so I don't really know much about him um but was he always kind of open like that with people and welcoming in yeah i would say so um it was it's interesting because he was a very generous man yeah but he never let people see it Hmm. which is fine so i mean he would he would help out people he would do all sorts of things and you know these are things that happen and he wouldn't even bother telling my mom Right. (laughs) So, you know, there'd be years later where somebody came up and to, to her and said, Hey, you know, I just wanted to, you know, say how much I appreciated your husband. He really helped us out in a tight spot. Da da da. And she's like, Oh, I didn't even (laughs) really, I didn't even know that that had happened, but it was just one of those things. Like he had, he worked hard. He did the stuff that he needed to do to make sure that his family was, you know, taken care of. And he also understood that, you know, he'd been blessed with a lot of stuff and like with, because of his hard work as well, but you know, right, he had worked right. towards it and had done it in the right way and was blessed with more than, than he needed at times. And so in those times he was like, he was willing to help out, right? <laughs> like just allow, you know, make sure that other people were able to get to where they needed to be or to you know help them through those times where they just needed a hand. So 
Yeah, he was he was an interesting, like a very interesting man. Really? <laughs> yeah, super intelligent. Yeah. Very well read, and uh, I mean, obviously, if you're a doctor, there's got to be some some bits of reading that have to be done and right and that. But he wasn't just he wasn't just that wasn't his only focus. He would read outside of things and understand outside of those things, and you know, very very intelligent. So, hmm. and then looking back on it, so was my mom. Still is actually. So yeah, she's. Uh, your mom's a very sweet lady. Can be. Can be. Yeah. So, okay, so tell me about your mom a little bit and what, you know, and what she <laughs> no, was she, like with as, you growing up. As you said, she is a very sweet lady. Yeah. But she does have a, I mean, she's not one that you mess with. Oh, yeah, no, you can't pull the wool over her <laughs> so, eyes. Well, and I mean, when she was younger, if she felt like she was getting the raw end of a deal or, or something like that, then she had no problem with, you know, coming full force at that person and yeah <laughs> making sure they understood that they were not uh they were not doing things the way that they should be doing so um no she was always the one it was nice because she was able to stay home so she was always the one that was home she was always the constant in her house yeah and uh it's funny as she's gotten older she has said i mean all of us have a little bit of a short fuse sometimes and she's like yeah that comes from me yeah <laughs> so there's there's certain certain things that uh that just would set her off and yeah i mean she wasn't but wasn't anything crazy but she didn't back down from a fight if she had to mm -hmm. so and i i think that that was partly how she grew up as well so they uh her family was not super wealthy yeah i mean we, we wouldn't say her family, they struggled, <laughs> so, right? And she was born in the '30s, so she she was a kid in the in the dirty '30s, where you know they always were looking to see where their you know next food was coming from, and that next the like things were always tight for them. So that's one of the things that she's she doesn't do it consciously never has right right but looking back on it now as i have a little bit more perspective and age and the really funny thing is i think i'm the only one of my siblings that can really see why she does some of the things she does yeah but it's like well that's because of how she grew up right you know if you're always afraid that you're not necessarily going to have a next meal or a full belly or you know yeah then you have certain things that you do Right, right. So. Yeah, I mean, because you're, you're concerned about it, and it's always in the back of your yep. head. Like, I need to make sure. Well, and that's, that's just it. Is it's, not, it's not just that it's always in the back of the head. It's never in the front of your head. Right. It's not a conscious, conscious thought at that point anymore. It's just something that's there. Right, right. So you literally somebody would have to actually work really hard and for a long time to bring it to a conscious thought so that they can make it as something that's a choice as opposed right. to right that they can deal with it yeah. instead of it just happening yeah exactly and so. so what's some what's something um then from your childhood that um that maybe you've discovered was you know was kind of in the back of your head just something that you that you did or do i don't know i honestly have not thought of that 
Well, now I've, I've I've given you homework. I have not been uh, I have not been shrunk <laughs> so that I can figure out those. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, one of those one of those things. Yeah, but I don't know. There's just there's all sorts of stuff that you do, but it's just because that's the way you've you, always done. You it. Feel well. It's not even that. You feel that it's right. Because that's the thing, is as you grow up and as you become an adult, and I'm sure that you've seen the same thing as you've got there. Yeah. I mean, when, when you look at it, the way that you grew up is completely different from the way that I did. Right. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just is, right? Right. But as you have become an adult, because you're 24, 24 now, yeah. So probably in the last four years, I'm guessing, you have had enough insight to kind of look at the things that happened in your life you're like, okay, I like this. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Now, what can I do? Do I keep this because it's a good thing or is it a bad thing? Right. Is this thing that I always thought was bad, is it really something that meant something else? And like, is there some other reason for it? Right. So I think you always do those things. So, I mean, you know, for me, I guess the thing was is <clears throat> like I would have a harder time doing what my dad did. And just inviting some random person into the house and be like, hey, come share Christmas with us. Right. Although now that I think about it, I think that would probably be harder, not because of me necessarily, but maybe because of the circumstances and, you know, the difficulties around it in the house if, right. if I were to do that now. Right, right. But, you know, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things because that's the thing is fundamentally I understand why he did it. Right. It's a good thing, and it was it's a generous thing, but it's not something that everybody can do. Right. And, and it's not necessarily a choice or anything like that, but so, like, deep down in my heart, it's like, okay, this is what I should do, but then do I? That's... <laughs> right, and I, I mean, that's... <laughs> that's that's yeah. the question. <laughs> and I think everybody does that with, you know, different things. They're like, yeah. I know, I know that's the right thing to do, but I don't really, but want I'm to. just, I'm just not there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah, we all, we all do that with different things. Um, so I guess, um, then, uh, then you went to BYU and since then you've been, you know, I've been all over the place. Um, yeah. So Went to BYU and I finished my first year of university there. Mm-hmm. Um, then went on my mission to France. So I was there for two years and then came back and went back to university. And so. And what did you study in school? What didn't I? Um, <laughs> did you switch majors a few times? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So at first I started out in the communications department. Okay. So I was doing public relations. Yeah. Which was quite fascinating. I mean, that's something that that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I came back from my mission, I was like, yeah, I need to do something a little bit different. So I went into the business school. Right. And was doing, working towards um, international marketing, I think is what it was supposed to be. Okay. <clears throat> and then... Uh, after having done that for about a year, I was like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> really? This is not something that I like. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're like, I'm out. Yep. I was like, okay, I got to do something that I actually enjoy. Yeah. And so I moved over to the Department of International Studies, which is more of a poli-sci type thing. Okay. 
And so with that, I ended up doing the international studies with an emphasis in international law and diplomacy. Interesting. So at the, at the time, I was thinking of going to law school and doing all of that stuff and then looking to see if I could get on with, uh, with the government and be like a diplomat or something like that, which is kind of funny because actually a few of my friends that I was in my mission with are actually diplomats for Canada and for the U.S. Really? Uh, yeah. One of them was actually one of the ones that I was in, in school with. Yeah. And so he's, he's uh, I think he's back in Ottawa now, but he was posted in India and a few other places like that where he's, he's been there. And then one of my other former companions works for the U.S. government and has had postings. After, after learning French, he came back and he ended up learning uh, Arabic. And so he's had postings all over North Africa. And, that is super cool. And that kind of stuff. So it's interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah. I couldn't imagine you as a diplomat. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm, not, I, uh, I'm not diplomatic enough. You, well, uh, I, think, I think you can be. I just, I mean, just, I guess the way things have turned out, I'm like, yeah, I mean, right now you're definitely not a diplomat. Like I don't that's have not to be. your. That's... Yeah, like yeah, you don't have to be. I, I guess, and you know, I think you'd be capable of it had you chosen that path. But uh, you're you're definitely not right now. Um, and so then, okay, so you studied all of these things. Uh, yep. Um, did you graduate from BYU? I didn't. You didn't. Okay, no. so you were like, okay, none of this is working. No, I I did about. Uh... I was not the best student. Yeah. <laughs> so, after after having done all that stuff, I, I, uh, let's see. So when I went on my mission, I was actually in academic probation. So, I had a little too much fun my first year. Yeah. And didn't really get to classes and do all the stuff that I should have. So you had a pretty bad GPA. Yeah. Okay. So. Then uh, what ended up happening is I went back, picked it up, like I picked it up so that I wasn't, you know, the worst of the worst. Right. But uh, basically I had limited, because of my stupidity in my first year, I had limited my choices as to where I could go. Right. Because, you know, it's kind of hard to get into medical school or dental school with a GPA of, you know, two point three or whatever it was right yeah yeah <laughs> so you know moved moved over to something else that I thought would be more interesting my my biggest problem always with school was that I had a hard time um, I had a really hard time studying stuff that I didn't care about right yeah and unfortunately 90% of university is stuff that who gives a crap yep <laughs> It's like, well, you have to take this class. Well, I don't want to take that class. Well, if you want to graduate, you have to take this class. Okay, I'll take the class. And yeah. then you take the class, and you're like, this is really stupid. Yeah. So it was finally when I got into the international studies thing that uh, I had classes that I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Really? Yeah. What was cool about it for you? I was just stuff... I mean, I found out that I enjoy political things a lot more than anything else. So Really? You know, understanding well as you as you know, 
I like to understand people and why people do things and, you know, what motivates stuff like that. And, right. you know, in an, in an area where you're talking about political science and that, that's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's live anthropology, right? Right. <laughs> so with, with live results, you, it's not anthropology where you're looking back at civilizations and going, being able to draw conclusions instantaneously. Right. It's a, it's a type where you're looking at, civilizations and you know things like that right now yeah and understanding okay well what could that do or what what should that do or why would this work or why wouldn't this work right those are those are kind of fun um anyways so i had uh i had got to the my last year of school and what ended up happening is i had taken my LSAT I had got all my stuff out so that I would be going to to uh, law school Mm -hmm. and I'd scored high enough on my LSATs that my mediocre GPA didn't uh, wasn't as big a deal really (laughs) yeah so I'd actually been accepted into a law school in Florida that uh, you know set on the fact whether or not I was like once I graduated, then it would be confirmed. Right. But then I ended up blowing out my knee playing basketball. Really? <laughs> yep. So I let that, unfortunately, when I did that, it ended up that I missed quite a few classes. Yeah. And uh, just made it difficult to, to get to class and do all that stuff. Yeah. So finally I was like, ah, forget it. I'm just going to come home. So to, to stay there and have it done, even with the student insurance, it would have cost about $12,000. Holy cow. Operate and fix up my knee down there. Yeah. <clears throat> so I ended up coming home and having it done here, but still had to wait almost six months here just to get an MRI on it before they could operate. Right. And so after that, I was like, ah, forget it. I'm not going back. And just... <laughs> so that blew it for you. Um. I let that blow it for me. Right, right, right. At at the time, I decided that it wasn't uh, that I'm like, nah, I don't want to have to deal with school anymore. Right. So, anyways, so I came back and I got a job as a sales guy selling printers and printer parts and toner, yeah. and was working here in Calgary, and got my knee fixed up. And then uh, met met my wife here, yeah, and ended up getting married. But in that time, as I was working at that, I'm like, okay, I want to do something else. Want to finish school? So, but I didn't want to go back to university at the time. Yeah, and because I'd always loved cooking, I went to cooking school. <laughs> yeah, I I remember that. Um, that was I was a little bit older by then. Yeah. And uh, I remember, all I remember was you guys went to San Francisco. You bet. That's. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you would have been, you would have been about nine, right? I think, I think so. Yeah. 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 Because that was over 15 years ago. So yeah, you would have been about nine. Yeah. So you guys, you guys go, go down to California mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and you start cooking school. So you're continuing your you know, post-secondary education. Yep. Um, and, uh, and what, like, so what, um, 
drew you into cooking and then and then while you were in California what was it like studying it so I would say probably the first and most logical one that drew me into cooking would have been my mom when I was young yeah so she was always cooking and it was always good and I was like oh hey this is kind of cool you know it makes people happy it yeah. needs you it does you know all the stuff that you need to yeah and so you know that was always something that I'm like oh I can you know I can do this I can <laughs> I can make this stuff happen so when I was young actually the funny thing is and when I basically I started feeding myself like just getting meals for myself when I was about two really yep the joys of being the youngest, right? Right, right. So I could get others to do it for me, but I was somewhat independent, and so I would, uh, I would get up and I could pour my cereal and pour the big milk jug and, you know, not spill it all over the place, and worked out well. Yeah. Mom was happy because she didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> the others didn't have to worry about it, so you know, self-sufficient, right? Yeah. So kind of the same thing as we got older. I guess that's actually going back to your one question. That's probably the biggest thing that I took from my parents is, you know, being self-sufficient and getting things done. Right. Right. Like don't, don't wait for somebody else to do it. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was one of those things that, you know, I understood that I could make stuff happen with yeah. that. And then as I got older, I would, you know, do different, different little experiments and stuff like that. You know, I'd cook for myself, like, mac and cheese and you know the normal stuff that kids are able to do yeah and then in high school uh, there were a few times where we would have dinner parties uh with my friends where you know we'd do like a whole roast beef and yorkshire pudding and that kind of oh, stuff yorkshire dinner puddings. yeah so you know i'd have all my friends over and usually i would do that when my parents were out of town yeah so that was one of the bonuses in high school of being the youngest and old enough to drive is that uh, once I was old enough to drive, I told my parents, I'm like, no, I don't have grandma come. <laughs> don't, just let me stay here by myself. Really? Which they did. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I would have my little dinner parties and things like that at the house. And Yeah. Yeah. So that was oh. kind of where it started. Then when I went to France on my mission, that was where I kind of discovered that fresh food is really freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> so in France, they have all sorts of, you know, everything's, it's kind of like California, basically yeah. same kind of weather and stuff like that. And so you get these fresh market produce and things like that that are just absolutely incredible. Hmm. And so it's one of those things that I started to play around with food there. Um, in, in our mission, my... Um, the deal was, is that whoever cooked the food didn't have to do the dishes. Right. And I hate doing dishes. Right. <laughs> so I would always volunteer to cook the food. Yeah. And then generally speaking, most of the other people didn't uh, complain too much because the food was good. Yeah. And so there was one point in my mission where the guys got a little annoyed about having to do the dishes. Yeah. And so they banned me from cooking for a week. And they're like, no, you have to, we're cooking for the week. You have to <clears throat> do the dishes. Yeah. Okay. So that lasted two days. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So they realized just how crappy of cooks they were and yeah. that they weren't getting as good of food. So they're like, fine, we'll do the dishes and you cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, that good was deal. a better deal. Yeah. 
And, I'll take that deal. And so then, uh, as you're, um, you know, you're, you're finding this love for cooking, right. And you're discovering this. Um, what was it like then going from just like, like a hobby yeah. to going and becoming a professional? It was interesting because I'd always had, I don't know. I think in the back of my mind, I had convinced myself that I wasn't good at school. Mm-hmm. And I realized after starting into cooking school that, you know, I got through my first, uh, got through my first, um, class. So my first section Yeah. and, you know, came out of it with an A minus and I was like, well, that's okay. That's not bad. Yeah. And, um, but I'm like, I can do this. Like at that point, I'm like, this is something that I enjoy. I can totally do this. There's no reason why I can't be the best at right. it. And so that was literally in cooking school. That was the only A minus I had other than that. So for the first part, we could still get an A plus, which, uh, as you know, in the four point grade system, an A plus is a 4.5. Right. <laughs> right. So those next four sections were, I got A pluses in all of those. Really? Yeah. And then after that, they they standardized it so that you couldn't get anything higher than an A. Okay. And so everything after that was just fours of 4.0. Right. From, so I ended up graduating from school with a 4.24. Really? GPA. Yeah. In that one. So I was like, yeah, I can do this. I think one of the things that I didn't understand when I was younger, because all of my family had gone to university, and of course my mom and my dad had both gone to university, Yeah. Um, I just thought that that was what you had to do. Interesting. So I've always been, I've always liked to build and to create and do things with my hands. Right. Um, but I never really thought of it as something that you could do as a career for a lifetime or whatever. So Hmm. I wouldn't give up any of the experiences that I've, that I've had, but if I were able to go back and do it again without losing those experiences, then probably I would have ended up in a trade school after high school instead anyways, because it was one of those things that I realized that that was uh, something that I enjoyed doing. And that was, it didn't mean you were stupid. Right, right. That was that was always the problem when I was younger. Is you always, I mean, I look at it now and I'm like, man, why do these kids in high school? Why is it that everybody assumes that the stupid kids are in, like, the shop programs and that sort of stuff? Right. It's like, they're not stupid. Yeah. They're just not built for the idiot system that we have for yeah <laughs> for uh, high school and junior high. Like some kids. I mean, I made it through junior high and high school because I test well. Yep. So I could read the stuff. I could put it out on a test and do it. My problem was I never did the homework. Right. Or if I did the homework, I did it in class. Yeah. So I didn't lose points that way. But a lot of the time I'd just be like, ah, forget it. I'm not, this is too easy. I'm not going to bother. Right. (laughs) So it's just one of those, one of those things where you would think that people are, uh, that people would better understand what, uh, what's going on with it. Yeah. But. And so, um, 
So you come to this realization, you get fantastic grades in school. Um, and then, and so then did, like, did it feel like you had found your thing? Yeah, it felt like I had found something that I enjoyed doing and that I could do. And that was, you know, it was, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, working in a kitchen and that it's a rush. So whenever you've got a whole bunch of people and you're trying to get stuff out in, in a timely fashion and you know, you've got six different things on the go and you're trying to get them all out at exactly the same time. Right. Not everybody can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's something completely different from pretty much anything else. Yeah. I mean, for there's, I mean, there's other, other occupations that have the same kind of stuff, but the pressure to have stuff out on time and, and done properly and that, and then people being appreciative of it is, it's one of those, right. It's one of those things. I guess it's a really short turnaround window. I would like this. And then it's like, Hey, we like, we have to get yeah. it done. Yeah. It's so, I mean, you think of it, you think of it in terms of, uh, you know, say four people go to dinner mm-hmm. and each of those people has something different as their main and three of them get some sort of an appetizer and, you know, coffee or whatever, that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, this takes this long to cook. This takes this long to cook. All these all have to come out at the same time. You have to work. If it's just you doing it, you have to work in your head and make sure that you understand what goes where and how, how fast it goes and, you know, what's got to go on first. If you're working with a team of people, you have to understand those people as well. And you all have to understand that working together, you have to get there right. in a way that it comes out all at the same time so that everybody gets the same quality of, of food. Right. And then, I mean, honestly, it, it's a business that's probably a lot like acting or, you know, that kind of thing where literally you're looking for the accolades <laughs> right. right after to be like, did you like it? Was it good? Right. <laughs> that, yeah, that is, that is interesting. Because um, it's, yeah, like they're, you're creating something yeah. to be, you know, Consumed. hey, like, can I get a, you know, five star on this? You know, like, how yeah. was that? Right. And um, yeah, that, that is really interesting. Um, and then, so now you own your own restaurant, which is, what we're sitting in right now. Yeah. Um, which is why you probably hear the fan intermittently. Um, but <laughs> the refrigeration fans, the refrigeration. And I mean, there's so many different <laughs> things that go into this. Um, and I don't, I, I'm not experienced in an industrial kitchen. I can cook a meal, yeah. but I can't, you know, like I can't do what you guys do here. Um, well you could, it would just, take I, time. I could, I would just need the training. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so with that, um, what's like, uh, cause we're kind of, we're, we're running out of time, but I want to hear like, um, what it's like running your own restaurant, um, why you do it and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll start there. What it's like and why you do it. Short answer to why I do it is because I'm crazy. Yeah. So, <laughs> and unfortunately, I think uh, that pretty much anybody who becomes a chef, they have to be slightly crazy because yeah. it's really not. It, I mean, yes, there are some people that uh, that get rich doing it, but it's 
it's probably more work than most people are willing to take on yeah <laughs> in, in their life and then owning your own thing is double that because you know the the bonus is then the reason I did it this way is that owning my own thing means that the work that I put in I reap the re- reward if there is any and right. you know it's it's one of those things where you know everybody wants to make money and sometimes it's easier than others but it's uh it's one of those things where I'm willing to put the work in no matter what mm-hmm. and it just it's kind of like owning your business anywhere. You right. know, anybody who owns their own business has to be slightly crazy mm-hmm. because it's not the easiest thing in the world. It's way easier to take a paycheck from somebody else and to, you know, assume that you know better than they do and that, you know, if you were running things, things would be different. But until you actually get into it and do it, you don't really know just what it goes into it yeah so for me it's it's the reward of being uh, being my own boss I guess I mean that sounds kind of cliche but you know I get to do the stuff that I want to do yeah I get to present food to people and you know receive the accolades for that right and I know that sounds kind of trite but it it is it's one of I mean everybody likes to everybody likes to have somebody say hey you did a really this is awesome. You did a really good job. So unfortunately, some of us that are, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing that probably acting and, you know, singers and things like that are, well, let's be honest, podcasters too. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> they, it's the same thing. You want people to be like, oh, hey, you did a really good job. This is awesome. Right. This is what we love about it. And then on top of that, you also get all the people that are like, oh, I don't really... I mean, luckily enough, in, in ours, we don't get as many. We get very few of them that are like that, and we get a lot more of the accolades as opposed to the, you know, the the bad review type things. Right. Um, and, I mean, having having read through literally all of your reviews, <laughs> um, and that's not because I'm crazy. That's because that's what I do. Yep. Um, and I am crazy, but they're unrelated. In, in different ways. Um <laughs> like having gone through them whenever there is a bad review, it's always cause like something went wrong. Like something, speaking, you know, yeah. is usually, you know, got missed or forgotten or, you know, something which was happens. just off that day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, it's got to feel pretty good, um, to, to put that out and to, to see like it, people it is coming nice. in again and again. Right. Most definitely. It's nice to, it's nice to see that people appreciate what you do. Right. And so again, I think that's the same thing in anything. Um, in my case, it's just, I would prefer to have people that are paying me directly do it as opposed to a boss telling me that, Oh, Hey, I really appreciate what you do. Right. (laughs) You know, but then that's just part of my personality too. So I'm, you're crazy. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I mean, so you're here and you have, you have your restaurant. Um, let's, uh, let's look to the future as like, Mm -hmm. what do you, what do you hope to see, uh, with your life going forward? Uh, I'd like to see this place going well enough that we can actually get a few more open. Mm -hmm. And then once those are open, like to get on the road to franchising and be able to sell the, sell it to other people and have them do you know, take it out and do the work and, you know, make sure that people are getting the excellent quality product. And then, 
you know, we just are responsible to make sure that they are doing the stuff that needs to be done so that the product doesn't suffer and yeah. the name doesn't suffer and that we can do that. So the ultimate goal is for <clears throat> us to have multiples of these, you know, across wherever we can and, yeah. and get people to enjoy the good food that we bring. Yeah. So give it, give it, uh, give it a few years and hopefully we'll be able to get that going. Uh, the nice thing is, is our move to this new location has been a, a good move for us. And I think that that'll be the start of, you know, better things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> much, much, much better location. Anybody who knows around the bend knows the old location was not great. You had people <laughs> walking in all the time. You know, your spot's not very good. Thanks. Yep. I'm aware. We, we did know that. <laughs> No, uh, I didn't until you told me. I thought it was perfect. <laughs> really? You, there, there's so much foot traffic here. That's right. Yeah, everybody's driving by this place. Um, it is much better now. And I think you've definitely gotten more, more customers being for the, here. Yeah, for the most part. So. Yeah. We're, we're in the middle of, I mean, we're just at the start of March. So sometimes it's a little bit of a looking at January and February. It's like, Neh. but right, right. It's January, and February. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's already exhausted. We'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I guess, uh, I, I always ask at the end of every interview, mm -hmm. um, when, when you're like on your deathbed, when it's like the end, um, what do you hope to look back on fondly uh, uh, on your life? Uh, I, th I would say it's the people that I met. Yeah. Like, honestly, that's the big thing. So, you know, friends, family, acquaintances, people that have impacted me and, and hopefully, you know, find out about maybe people that I've had an impact on that, that I didn't know about. Right. So, you yeah. know, that's... That's one of those things. I think, I think that that kind of a legacy is more important than anything else. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, I don't care how much money's in the bank. I don't care <laughs> about that, but you know, to have had a positive impact on people and, you know, positively affected people's lives. I think that's what I would want to look back on and, and see. Hmm. Well, uh, thanks Rob for joining me today. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening, not just to the show, but to the people around you. I promise that it will change your life as you take time out today to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.